I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Kia ora everybody and welcome to your bona fide favorite pop culture podcast slash trickle-down therapy sessions that they have now very quickly become... Escalated into. Escalated into, crashed headfirst into. I'm joined, as always, with Laura. Laura, how the hell are you? It's nice to be back, I'll tell you. A week off. I didn't know what hit me. I missed you. (laughs) Well, you missed me, and you also missed our weekly therapy sessions, so... No wonder you're acting so unhinged. I've got a lot for today. I've got a lot to download. We do need to um, give a couple of caveats regarding where, well, I'm traveling at the moment for the 1975, so sue me, but it means that I'm in like my little brother's flat in Wellington. It's raining. You can probably hear it. It's echoey because there's no furniture in this room. And then Laura, you've got a bit of a fizzing situation. My laptop um, is fizzing, so... (laughs) There's nothing more to say on that, apart from if you want to send me something, Apple, um, anything, Dell, <laughs> I'd take a Dell, any laptop brand listening, send it over. Um, but anyway, so now that you know that the recording might sound less profesh than usual, um, we should talk about quickly, because we always forget to do this, what I do, what we're discussing this week. Naturally, we've got some naughty or nices coming your way, but then also, main topic imposter syndrome. Laura is going to hopefully dive deep on that with us. I was hoping you were diving deep this week, Luce. I don't... <laughs> um, I just feel like I give my all every week. Like, for once... Can, <laughs> for once, can we not be ironing out one of my things? <laughs> I'm going to be diving deep into my psyche and Luce is going to be treated to everyone in a, in a switch it up special. Um... <laughs> Spoiler alert, I don't really feel like I get imposter syndrome. Sometimes, like something that just happened before, but um, anyway, we'll talk about that in a second. That is going to be interesting. I know. Stay tuned. Stay tuned for that. But anyway, what describes your week, Dal? My week this week, I'm going to say it's Blossom. And I say this because outside, first of all, in London, and I feel like I talk about this every single week, but... Living here, I feel like I've seen the seasons in a way I've not seen them before in New Zealand. Like in New Zealand, I feel like it's just really hot in the summer and then it just kind of rains for like nine to ten months. And there's not really any, I don't know, but also I guess I always lived in the city so I don't really see, no, there's trees everywhere in New Zealand. Anyway, my point is here, the entire city is covered in blossom. There is, after what feels like genuinely the longest winter ever, And apparently March was the greyest one on record, so I've survived that. But everywhere's covered in blossoms. There's cherry blossoms. There's And it just, the vibe of the city has completely changed. And it's like everyone has gone from being really sad and down to like a tiny patch of blue sky and some cherry blossom. People are drinking on the street. There's music playing. Um, And I just feel like it's, it's like I'm in a movie. There's new succession episodes every week. And I just feel like something's blossoming. I'm blossoming blossom. Oh, it's, it's really funny that you see New Zealand as like a place that rains like so often, (laughs) like, because I think it's because I'm not from Auckland where it does rain. Now that I've moved to Auckland, it does rain all the fucking time. But I feel like, you Does know, it not rain in Blenheim. Like, not for like months on end as you are prescribing the country. I really apologize for painting the country <laughs> with that brush. Um. <laughs> no, but I will say, she's correct in terms of Auckland. Does rain a hell of a lot. Anyway, it's raining here in Wellington right now, but we're not here to talk about the weather. No, please. Luz, what describes your week? Uh, the 1975. This is a bit of a preemptive one because I haven't actually seen them yet. 
but I'm in Wellington to see them tonight. I'm working in like the main street of the city all day today. So I'm hoping that by some grace of good luck, I bump into maybe Mr. Maddie Healy. I'm going to stand outside the Cuba Street bucket fountain in my I hate Maddie Healy shirt and hope to God that he thinks I'm different. (laughs) (laughs) And And then sue me, but I'm seeing them on Friday as well. So it's it like it is going to be a very 1975 week. And I'm very excited for the shows. What are you taking to the shows, Luz? What are you going to take to hold up? Um, honestly, probably just my phone to record all the unhinged shit that he says. Probably just my heart um, to lift up an offer. <laughs> no, but oh, well, okay. So I'm in the I'm in the standing in the pit for mm-hmm. the first one, but I'm really scared of mosh pits, as we've talked about. I think I'm podcasts before so I think I'll be Mm. like at the back I'm with my little brother so that's fine and then at the Auckland one I'm seated and like kind of close so there's variants there's variants there are variants I'm very excited for you same I'm fucking I just don't know if I'm gonna be able to handle it (laughs) because I think I might get too emotional but that's okay but anyway let me get into my naughty or nice this week and we're going to begin with Frank Ocean at Coachella. Oh, I'm so excited for this. Have you seen, like, the people being unhappy? I've seen everything. Yeah, okay. So people seem, for anyone that's missed this somehow, people seem to be really upset with Frank Ocean after his set at Coachella was, like, not what they expected. And we will get in to our expectations of artists um, at the end of this little section because we always – but as someone like I love Frank Ocean I'm not a stan but I think he's an incredible artist so I like wouldn't have been one of the people that spent like upwards of 500 bucks on a ticket and you know went and lined up really early but he had diehard fans there because this was what this was his first performance in six years or just under six years in six years that's insane I think he was meant to perform at Coachella in the COVID era where it got cancelled like there was just a lot of hype surrounding this set he was the headliner um so he rocks up and half of my not even half a few videos on my TikTok feed which is where I like started seeing the sentiment were like showing beautiful performance of him singing self-control and Godspeed and, you know, and and a beautiful sort of speech where he dedicated the set to his brother who passed away that he used to go to Coachella Mm. with. And so there's like a, there's a bit of context here as like there always is, but Frank has had a difficult few fucking years. Um, Anyway, he gets on there. He has a few like great performances, but a very like few very very few I googled some reviews um to see what like critics that were at the concert were saying and like the first two were one was from Variety and it said why was Frank Ocean's Coachella set such a disappointing mess and the next one Frank Ocean at Coachella review a a roller coaster ending in disappointment that was by the Guardian and so god that's I know but there were so there were like some very valid reasons so the set this one like not that uncommon it started an hour late I feel like that's something we're almost used to I feel like we're almost used to it but at a festival you know if people have been standing outside for however long waiting for him for a good spot at a festival I feel like less common right I know less common and so I I get that and then apparently it was like a way shorter set than people thought and and they expect he like went off and then they expected him to come back on and then all the lighthouse lights went on or whatever and they were just like what the fuck was that um there was a apparent last minute cancellation for a YouTube live stream for the show which I think a lot of like people that couldn't get to Coachella obviously were fucked off about. Mm-hmm. He wasn't actually very visible on stage. Apparently, like even on the big screens, you couldn't. Re- he was like obscured by either dancers or equipment. Like you just couldn't really see him. And he was just kind of hidden away in that little like space desk yes. thing, right? Where it was yes. like the puffer on, and you couldn't. I literally had to like zoom in. I read yes. one report from a journalist who said they were literally positioned like next to the stage, and they couldn't see him for about eighty minutes <laughs> of his set. Yes, I read that one too. And 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 then apparently, just the set itself 
was very lackluster um, from Variety, I think. When the journalist said, Overall, the energy was low. Heat and the band are obscured by a battery of people walking in a circle around the stage. The pacing was bizarre. A seemingly random DJ set was dropped into the middle, leading many fans to think his performance was over. It also started an hour late. And so apparently he just, like, didn't really perform. Mm. He sort of had some DJs. He had a few, like, solo, like, you know, singing moments, but apparently it was just like not so confusing. I did read that apparently some of the remixes of the tracks were like genius. Yeah. And then some were so obscure. And I feel like, I don't know. I just would love to know what's going on behind the scenes here. Like, was that exactly as planned? Has something happened? Well, we have a we have a few sources um, that have come out offering sort of different explanations. One reason that it was apparently so weird was because he was meant to have an elaborate stage production involving an ice rink and a battery of skaters, which was built and rehearsed for several days and then like abruptly cooled off on Sunday afternoon. Wait, where is this? This is yeah. Crazy. So this was in Variety, um, and then this is. One reason that Variety has supported um, the basics of this report. So the festive owl wrote, Frank decided at the last minute that he no longer wanted it at all. All of the people walking around him at the start of the performance were actually ice skaters who had been practicing for weeks and were supposed to be skating as part of the production. Coachella had to deconstruct the approved stage. They which they had to get signed off like months in advance. They had to melt the entire ice rink and then set it up for how Frank decided with no warning on the day, which is what everyone ended up seeing and caused the hour-long delay. This all happened when doors were already open for the show and people were securing their spots to see him. If the last-minute changes weren't made, he would have performed. He wouldn't have performed at all, leaving the festival without a closing headliner. What? So that is from sources, but sources that Variety support the basics of. So that's really interesting. Or another report, which TMZ and Rolling Stone ran with, were that um, Frank Ocean actually sustained an ankle injury during on-site rehearsals in the week leading up to the festival, saying that the incident took place not during actual rehearsals, but while he was riding one of the bicycles that artists and staff used to get around the Coachella grounds. Apparently it was serious enough for doctors to advise Frank's production to be changed. However, I'm one that that feels like a PR move, that one. I just I mean the do you remember at the Grammys when the dancer that was on Harry's oh. thing came out and said, you know, the stage was going the wrong way around and the dancer afterwards, like I tried mm. to find, you know, verifications of it and the dancer I think had deleted their post or something, but a lot of outlets picked yes. up on it. And you just wonder like did these things happen? What goes on behind the scenes? And like the I know. terror of trying to figure out in that moment what to do. So something like if you genuinely sustain an injury right before you go on stage, oh, for like the biggest set yeah. of possibly your life. I know. But then, okay, so then we, so we have this apparently elaborate thing that got cancelled and then Frank went on and performed this sort of haphazard random mismatched set. And like half of me is like... It's his craft, it's his art, like he gets to decide how he wants to do it. And then also I'm like in this era of Taylor Swift doing a fucking three hour show with 44 songs. Like we have these extremely high expectations for everyone now and it's really hard for audiences to be happy. Well, look at the Super Bowl with Rihanna. Yeah, I know. After that, I mean, you had all these people saying that was amazing. Can't believe I waited all this long for that. And other people were like, can't believe I've waited all this long for that. Like, what is the standard? Yeah, the standard is fucked. And we're seeing it all again on TikTok, these highlight reels that make everything feel like luster even when we're there because, you know, you have the real life gaps and the songs you don't like as much and the lulls, which you don't experience on TikTok. But then also... I do think from like someone like Frank Ocean, instead of doing the set that he did, if it was, I don't know, he had a sore ankle or whatever, like just a really stripped back performance of his songs would have been enough. He didn't need this elaborate show. Like he just, 
uh, I I think he fumbled the bag a little bit on this one, and I hope it wasn't. I hope it wasn't down to ego, as some of these sort of reports are insinuating. I'm sure it will all come out. All come out in the wash. Yeah, his fans seem like they seem disappointed and like fair enough you're like especially if you've spent upwards of 500 bucks us he's such an elusive character anyway that him Mm. doing it i think no one i had no idea what to expect like i really didn't but i was very excited to watch the live stream and when i heard that that was cancelled i was like oh makes sense he's so elusive he you know (laughs) won't even do what beyonce literally did like you know i mean yeah I'm so interested to see what you think of the 1975 Luz after this week, how that live show is going to... No, same. Especially considering how I felt so complicated after the Harry show. Yes. Um, but I, exactly. But I feel like this is a different... This is like when I was 15 watching One Direction, where like just being in the same room is enough. I feel like I have lo- no expectations because it's all going to be great. Like It's just being there will be enough. So anyway, we'll report back. I had such a strange experience this week where like normally I feel like going to a gig I normally know what I'm going to expect and I feel like especially Mm. as we're discussing like now you've basically lived a whole gig on TikTok before it arrives in your country a lot of the time like you know by the time we see Beyonce here we're probably going to know what's going on by the time you know whatever but I went to a gig this week do you know Big Thief the band Big Thief yes yeah Belle loves them so does Dunk the whole Siski universe apparently loves them it's we all love them and so I love them, have a couple of songs I absolutely adore, and I went to their concert, and, like, I don't know, they're a band for me where I love them, but I've not got invested in them as a band at all. I love the music, and that's it. Couldn't tell you what they look like, couldn't tell you anything. Yeah. But I was like, I'm gonna go, got tickets. The show was nothing like I expected. Like, they were, first of all, they were amazing, but I thought I was going to go to kind of like a soft boy energy, mm. everyone swaying. And they were like down on their knees with the guitar flipped over their back. Like it was like a rock Whoa. concert, garage band mashup. One of yep. the best live gigs I've been to in so long. Oh. But also because I had no idea. Like, yes. It was completely no different. Yeah. I haven't been surprised by a band in, or by a live show in so long. And it really, for me, I was like, oh, this is probably what it's meant to be like. You're meant to turn up and be mm. like, I had no fucking clue what the set list was going to be like. I had no clue that their live personality was like this. Like, yeah. it was such a new yeah. experience for me. That's And I think that's something that we will get, like, less and less. And, like, Duncan with Taylor Swift, he loves Taylor Swift. He's refused to watch anything to do with the show until she comes, like, refused to look at the set list. Unfortunately, with our jobs, we actually can't do that. Like, I could not be... Like, I don't fucking know what Taylor Swift is up to. Like, it's half of my job is fucking knowing. But, yeah, I think there's something so nice in being surprised. Um, not a hot take. Surprise and delight. Surprise and delight. Surprise and delight. Do you have any more naughty and light, nice loose for me? I do. It's another surprise and delight. First of all, um, Frank Ocean, that was naughty. I'm going to label that naughty just because it wasn't nice naughty. for the fans. But also not nice for him if he's hurt or if he's grieving or whatever. Yeah. Not nice for anyone. Um, so, surprise and delight. This is a spoiler. This is a succession spoiler. Skip five minutes if you haven't watched episode three. Three. It's episode three. You'll know which episode we're talking about. Skip. Yeah. Skip, skip. Skip now. Skip now. Um, because Logan Roy died. Oh, my goodness. I can't. Did you see anything before you saw it? Did you read about it? Oh, I think fucking did i saw it on twitter bro i was pissed off i like oh. like it's like there's no spoiler etiquette anymore no no and i was upset but then i watched it and like don't have many hot hot takes except for the like incredibly long scene they filmed in one go was in the 30 minute scene incredible it was like watching a play like an improv play i know where you just were like, what are they going to do next? What are they going to do next? And the way that they, yeah, it was amazing. Also, like, the hug between the kids wasn't scripted. <gasps> I, well, from the brief things that I've read about this. Also, like, how they kept this um, secret from the whole crew, or the whole cast and crew, and they'd refer to it I as, know. like, Larry David or something. They'd refer to his death. I don't know. I just thought they slayed. It was so, and also, I mean, they're so, I think we've talked about this before, like, the way that they do the show is incredible, That from the wealth consultants mm. to everything, but even, like, the mm. little, 
they don't know how to hug each other. So it's just like a like pat on the shoulder. Yeah. And, you know, they kept saying, yeah. I'm sad, I'm sad, I'm sad. Like this was this rhetoric that kept coming through. Like, yeah, I need to like, describe we have to, this. This is what we should say. Yeah, yeah. So this is what people should say when they feel these things. But I love how they all reacted like so differently. Like Kendall at heart is a fucking emotional person. He was the one that seemed to take it. When he said like, I don't forgive you, but it's okay and I love you or something. I was just Ooh. like, oh. And Roman, my heart. Anyway. Oh, when he went to Jerry and he was like, I'm sad. And she just walked out. Oh. Because he just fired her. Honestly. So and also spoilers. the fact that Connor still got married. I know. Well, Connor, I feel I feel really sad for Connor. He. Gosh. Anyway, so that's, um, I actually want to call that nice because it was just such an amazing, amazing episode. It was amazing. The way it's been done, no flaws. That's it. No, love it. Love it, love it. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Love it. Now let's talk about imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome. So we've got a total of 11 minutes to go. <laughs> Oh, and all the kids on succession have imposter syndrome. That's it. (laughs) Well, okay. I'm going to lose. I know that you've talked about this a bit before. Is that right? I can't remember if I've talked about it or if I've written about it, but either way, I've thought about it. (laughs) Either way, I want your hot take. So imposter syndrome is loosely defined as doubting your abilities, feeling like a fraud, not having an internal sense of your own success, despite your accomplishments or awards. Or something that outsiders would probably be like, oh, you're really successful and amazing. Internally, it's like you just Mm. can't believe it, don't believe it. It's something that apparently there's over more than 5 million results when you Google it. Um, And there are solutions, ways to treat it. Sorry, that's sirens outside my house, if you can hear it. Thank you, Central London. Um, From people telling you to attend conferences, read books, like say these things to yourself three times a day. Um, and it's just something I see everywhere, which we will get into, but Luce, what do you think about it? Um, okay. One, I think it affects women a lot more than it affects men. I don't think that's a hot take, but it's just like, uh, there's like a confidence gap. I know in the workplace or applying for jobs and shit like that, because we feel like imposters way more than men do. I also, okay. So for me, I used to, I got it out high school real bad because like maybe high school and uni a little bit because people would always tell me or like I would get really good results and stuff without really trying and I'd be like why the fuck am I like getting these things or why are people telling me that I'm good at stuff when like I'm actually no better than your normal person um, and I just I really felt like people perceived me as a certain way even like teachers um And then they would just give me like grades based on who they thought I was as a person rather than how good my work actually was. Like my, I remember in history, I would hand in what I thought was just the shittest stuff in the world and people around me would be handing in like incredible stuff. I would get an excellence and the people around me would get a merit and I would be like, no, like that wasn't good what I did. Like the teacher just likes me because I'm funny or like I don't know I was like I don't deserve the work they just perceive me in a certain in a way so then and then I would get at uni like I got some scholarships to like go cool places and like I fucking I don't know just good stuff was happening to me and I was always like bro I do not deserve this like why the fuck is this happening which is textbook 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 imposter syndrome um but then like, before we started Shit You Should Care About, I mean, I get it a little... Nah, actually, most of the time, I don't. Like, I actually love being underestimated. It's, like, flipped, and now I love being underestimated. Yes. And... This you've written about, and I love what you have to say This is it. just, like, I don't know what happened. I wish I could give you tangible tips on what happened, but I think we just started something that was so cool, 
and it was new, so there was nothing to like level it against. And Rubes always talks about how she can sometimes feel risk averse and I'm like risk like ready. All I want is risk. And then we meet in the like It's giving Enneagram eight with a seven. Yeah. That's what it's giving. (laughs) And so and now we sort of balance each other out because we have to keep the business going and she takes heaps of risks and I'm sometimes like, holy fuck, we need to make sure we, I don't know, do this, I don't get cancelled or whatever. Um, but it's really flipped and I'm, I'm interested to hear if this has happened to you or to other people listening, like whether you grew up and it was an age thing and you suddenly were like, oh, actually, like, I'm cool and probably a bit worthy of the things that are happening to me. <laughs> She's healed, everybody. She's healed. She's, the imposter syndrome part of me is certainly healed. I now really love walking into a room full of men and they don't expect me to know anything. And I'm like, well, my community's way smarter than all of y'all. So see ya. <laughs> when, so when you talk about this underestimating thing, because I remember this news and I loved it so much, but could you just explain it for the listeners at home who didn't hear? What do you mean when you say you love being underestimated by people? Okay. So I'm like five foot nothing and I right now have pink hair and I wear like really bright colors and I'm really cute no I'm not really cute but you know, I'm like really like just and I'm smiley. not like other girls Maddie Healy <laughs> yeah I'm not like other girls no and I'm just like I'm just not a very intimidating person but also I think I'd be quite easy to not take seriously um if you didn't know right. me and so when I get on zooms or I like am on a doing a conference I'm doing a talk or whatever and it's always me this random bright colored little person and then like all these dudes that are like the head of zero or the head of x agency or blah 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 I like love just being so fucking different and random and real that they get like oh shit what the hell and then I feel like, yeah, you didn't expect that. And like, you should check yourself because why didn't you expect me to know this stuff? And not in a bitchy way, but in a way where I'm like, I almost dress and act in a way that like is going to jar them a little bit when I come out and I'm like, oh, well, I know about X thing going on in the world. I know how to run a company. And like, I think, I hope that Rubes also feels like, you know, we'll go into meetings together like these two little blondies and then we come out and we're like, yeah, like we slide that. Ha ha ha. ha. I don't know. It's just, it feels nice to be not what people expect of you when you know they're expecting less. Does that make sense? That is very interesting. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And I think the part that you said about particularly like as a woman, I think this is going to come up a lot in this podcast. And like, for me, a lot of the reading I've done have been around the work of these two women, Rachika Toshin and Jodianne Bury, who did a piece for the Harvard Business Review called Stop Telling Women They Have Imposter Syndrome. And it ended up being like one of the most downloaded articles by the Harvard Business Review. Um, they've gone on to do a whole bunch of stuff, a whole amazing work. And Basically, the co- the concept that they initially start talking about is that imposter syndrome was developed by some psychologists, Pauline Rose Clance and Suzanne Eames, who developed the concept and actually called it imposter phenomenon in 1978. And they focused on what they then described as high achieving woman, um, which I've put in quotation marks because it's like what they described as high achieving woman is to, you know, be successful and occupy more male and more white spaces. Um And they basically posited that despite outstanding academic and professional accomplishments, women who experience the imposter phenomenon persist in believing they're not really bright and have fooled anyone who thinks otherwise. And basically, in a similar way to like we've described this before with things like attachment theory, people do one study and then they kind of run with it. Like imposter syndrome has been in a very similar fashion where a lot of it since then has been targeted to Mm. women. So they talk about this concept like and particularly women of color where they talk about this concept where, you know, you go to a conference as a woman in business and it's overcoming imposter syndrome and like all these things. And I mean, they really interesting to delve into a lot about this, but they're like, it's almost a snake oil industry where it's like, here's how to fix imposter syndrome. We're going to sell yes. you some things to fix it because women struggle because women are this. And actually a lot of research has been done by them that shows actually all people struggle with yeah. this. Like from every community, from every space and background. And there's a lot more research that needs to be done on that. But 
it puts the blame on the individual without accounting for the historical or cultural context that are actually foundational to how it manifests. This is so interesting because half of me is always like, yeah, it's so good to have words and terms and stuff to describe how we're feeling. But then when it comes to like things like this, I'm almost like when it feels so targeted towards women, it's like, maybe it's not that helpful because suddenly we're like, we see this thing. We're like, Oh, I must have that. And we almost put ourselves like you've just been saying into the box of having imposter syndrome when actually like if we hadn't seen that in the wild somewhere and then like related to it, kind of like um, attachment theory. And, I mean, it's kind of like the Enneagram test and things like yeah. that, putting ourselves into a box. Like if it didn't exist, maybe we wouldn't have even had the seed planted that we were an imposter yeah. Oh, 100%. And they even, so I mean, interesting. I really, I'm going to put this in the show notes because it is a fantastic article. I mean, obviously it's been read by God knows how many people, but even the label of imposter syndrome, like imposter. So we bring this kind of criminal fraudulence to something when it's actually, I'm just feeling mm. anxious about joining a team. And then you bring this medical mm. undertone of syndrome, which they say links to this thing of like, you know, the 19th century female hysteria, like all these things are like, all of a sudden, and then you that, bring in capitalism, and people are trying to sell us books and conferences and shit. All of it, and it's like actually, I'm just feeling a bit anxious in my workplace, and they're like, "She's a hysterical mm. female." Like it's yeah. so even yeah. the term itself, and like I, they, there's this really amazing quote in it where it's like, you know, that you're told like you have imposter syndrome if you come into a workplace and you don't belong because of who you authentically are. And then when you actually like try to fit in or whatever, or you're struggling to belong because of the culture that's actually been built by the company or the place that you're in, they say, oh, you poor thing, you don't fit in, you've got imposter syndrome. And it's like, actually, perhaps we should be looking at the environments and cultures that these spaces are creating. Mm. And it's less about putting the onus on the person who feels imposter syndrome and more about the space they're trying to occupy and the issues actually there. Yes, yes, yes. Honestly, this does feel like... Um, it almost feels like it could be a bit of a part of like the girl boss feminism, like, you know, era and the hustle culture era. 100%. And like, you know, the problem is that you are being too much like a mother in the workplace and you are baking cookies and people don't take you serious. It's like, yeah, you're so right. It's putting the problem and also like a syndrome like that is so like, just, I don't know. That's, it is a bit cooked. Uh, and I want, like, what's your, and I've talked about my experience with imposter syndrome, but I do want to hear about if you have had a journey like I have, or if you feel differently about it, or if you've never felt it, or if you feel it all the time, or if you've reframed it. I, I mean, there's a lot here, and this is, to, in case anyone can pick up on this, me and Lucy are very unscripted, so <laughs> this is pure, yeah, yeah. I don't, spoiler, um, yeah. we don't, we probably should write a script, but we don't. <laughs> not how shit you should care about does things it's not how these therapy therapy sessions run everybody but I think for me like definitely feel imposter syndrome definitely have felt it in different uh facets of my life um I think very similar to you Luce but like I for me it's always been about my age I've never felt like the roles that I was doing or whatever I was doing the people I was with I always felt like I was very young in whatever spaces I was occupying and rather than leaning into that and being like yeah I'm fucking 23 and I'm doing the head of like the head of this department or whatever it was kind of like oh I'm only 23 what are people gonna think or like oh yeah older and I think honestly I think what you've just said about the girl boss thing is very pertinent to kind of yeah me and my life because I you know I'm 28 and it's like the whole millennial girl boss thing was a little bit before my time, but equally like I was on the tail end of it. So I was like, Oh God, like, should I be like that? Like, should I be, Oh, but I'm so young. And I, you know, I'm not running fucking, what was that girl's thing? Nasty girl, nasty. The Yeah. Yes. yeah and I just nasty. always felt a little bit like, Oh, one day I'll learn stuff. And now I'm in this space where I'm like, oh, I'm 28. I'm actually like feeling fine. And I feel quite sad that I spent all these years like Mm -hmm. thinking I wasn't legit enough because I needed 10 years on my CV, you know? I know. And, and it is like what you were saying about how it's not really about us. It's more about the world around us. Spoiler, everything usually is, but it's like with the age thing, like that's just because we've been taught that young people are dumb or are less valuable or whatever it is. But 
truly like especially especially now great time to be a young person like what young people think and the purchasing power and also just this like power in society that we have it's like better it's like great to be in a role with any sort of any sort of power as a young person because like we're so smart and with it and like strong but yeah when we I agree I've always loved it's because I have a very interesting unique job I've always loved being a young person in the room instead of feeling like I wasn't quite equipped because I've always seen it as a superpower (laughs) (laughs) a superpower but I think I'm trying to now think have I like how do I experience it on a daily basis but I think my approach to most things when I'm like striving to do them when I'm striving to get something I think I'll never get it and then if I do get it I think I shouldn't have got it yeah and like you know doing this podcast with you Luce was a massive back and forth in my mind because I was like there's just no way I should be doing this like there's no way I have nothing to offer this and like Really, mm. the only way I kind of manage to do this every week is that I've never listened back and I pretend it's just me and you, <laughs> and like which maybe it is. <laughs> truly, like our, like we are. I think because of our brand, it's like it should not feel like an intimidating space to like hold. It should feel yeah. like very even when you're talking to heaps of people, low stakes, and like anyone could do this. And like the truth is. Anyone could. If me and Laura are sitting here, like, doing this, like, anyone can. Not everyone should have a podcast, but everyone could. I also, I think there's varying amounts of privilege to things as well, and I think one of the amazing things that was, in again, in this Harvard Business Review article is they talk about, like, the privilege awarded to, like, even within the imposter syndrome space and how women, you know, are kind of marketed it to a woman of colour, experience so much more mm. on that level, and... I think, again, with imposter syndrome, like, I'd be really interested to chat to a white man about their experience of imposter syndrome as well, because, you know, the research has shown, obviously, everyone experiences it, but equally, I'm very interested to know what their experience of that is as well, and, like, particularly in the workplace. Um, I also think that, again, and this, I think, will be a pod for another day, but there's this whole thing of, like, we've kind of entered this new society where your work becomes your identity and your side hustles your identity and like you know off the tail of the awful girl bus era and all of that and imposter syndrome also comes into that as well because it's like well my work's my identity but I don't feel good enough to do my work but my work's also my passion Mm. and this I think feeds a lot into artists creatives people like you loose like everyone who's trying to hustle away at something do something they love that's also them but also feels like they're not good enough to do it because they don't have enough followers Mm. or responses or anything and it can be a really deep awful cycle yeah because if you if you if everything's all wrapped up into like all that's wrapped into one personality and then you feel like you're not good enough to do any of it obviously it's gonna fuck you up we've done a podcast episode about cringe before and I feel like my version of instead of feeling like an imposter now I just feel like cringe about things not that I do because I love being I love being like cringe on Cisco. it's like the whole thing but like when it comes to for example I was about to message someone um Laura gave me a contact for someone that I wanted to message to like do some work with potentially and I was like I feel cringe about DMing them cold DMing them on Instagram and Laura was like you run the fucking biggest media company in New Zealand like period what what the fuck and I was like this isn't me feeling like I'm not good enough or that I don't deserve this this is me feeling cringe about my success which is tall poppy syndrome which again we should probably Mm. talk about in another episode because I feel like that's relevant yeah well I think they all they all fold into each other and like I was looking I think another reason why imposter syndrome for me, like the name itself, A, I think has been so overused. I'm just like cringed out by it. I'm done with it. But when you actually get into the the nitty gritty of what it is and what you feel, I read this definition and it listed, if you have these three things, these are the defining features. A feeling that other people have overestimated your abilities, a persistent tendency to put success down to external factors such as luck or disproportionate effort, a fear that others will discover your true failings. And when I read those three things, it really reminded me of this article that I wrote several years ago um, for the 09, which is like this website that I run, Instagram account, and they 
asked, I basically did this cold call where I asked people to send in to me what their mm. unbearable feelings were. So unbearable feelings can be described as a feeling basically that you will do anything to avoid. Yeah. It's unbearable. It's for whatever reason, it's marked you in some way and it makes you feel sick to your stomach whenever something brushes up against it. And a bunch of people sent in to me anon what their unbearable feelings were. And I was rereading them before this podcast. And I was like, they're all imposter syndrome. My unbearable feeling is having other people think I'm a terrible person. My unbearable feeling is letting other people down because I'm not good enough. My unbearable feeling is displeasing people and being found out as a fraud. My unbearable feeling is that when everything's going well in my career and relationship, I still feel unbearably sad. People are congratulating me, but I feel so hollow. And it was just, but when I did it at the time, I was like, I didn't pick up on that. And I'm like, actually, I know, like, I walk around with this very deep fear that, like, people will discover my true self is not great. Hmm. And that in itself, I think, is imposter syndrome. Yeah. I think you should, um, not to be, like, working out logistics live on mic, but I would love for you to, um, like, revisit that piece for the Cisco community and, like, write something on, like, your unbearable feelings and are they just imposter syndrome or like get more people's I think unbearable feelings is such a good um it's a term that I've never heard before but it's like the things that you'll go to the ends of the earth to avoid I've heard similar things saw a tiktok the other day want to write about it probably will never remember to but it was about how mixed emotions are the hardest emotions to feel like mixed emotions will ruin you like trying to figure out what emotion you're actually feeling is one of the hardest feelings in the world. Like if you have mixed emotions on a subject or a thing that you're doing or a, I don't know, like a person that you don't know if you're into or you're not or whatever, like it can be the most exhausting feeling to feel. And I think that's one of my, because I'm usually so decisive. I'm an incredibly decisive person. So one of my unbearable feelings, I think, this is a tangent because this I don't even think is imposter syndrome, but I think is feeling mixed about something because I'm usually so opinionated one way or the other or I just know mm. in my gut that my unbearable feeling is probably mixed <laughs> is a mixed that <laughs> my unbearable feeling is not knowing what to feel <laughs> yes breakthroughs on this podcast with you Laura every week breakthroughs she needs she needs to be in control everyone it's no surprise to oh, anyone oh but God, yeah. even on her feelings I didn't even think about that I didn't even think oh about that. Oh my God. That. Well, I think, I mean, you're going to be here for that, but I feel like that's definitely something we should do mm. is uh, unbearable feelings call out <laughs> yes. because there is, there is some really amazing literature behind it. Again, I'll link it in the show notes, but yes. I think it's a really nice way. Again, and you know, we've talked about this and I think we should talk about this more as like therapy speak, but sometimes there's nice, it's nice sometimes to have rhetoric to describe something mm. and it's not like a shortcut to intimacy, but it mm. makes it more digestible to discuss. Mm. Um, which on the topic of therapy speak, and again, I think we'll go into this another time because I have a lot to say on this next week. Cause I also have a lot to say on it. <laughs> As you've already read. Another time, spoiler alert, it's yeah. next week because we plan things so in advance here. <laughs> spoiler. Um, but my, I was thinking about, I was thinking about this cause I was like, okay, we can't delve into imposter syndrome, talk a lot of shit and then be like, good luck out there, everybody. <laughs> Um, And we obviously, we don't think we've got the answers, but, and I'm very aware as well. I really enjoyed like these um, journalists take and how they said it could be a bit of a snake oil industry. I think the last thing we need as women is to be sold like yet another solution to Mm. a problem that we actually don't know if we have. Um, But when it comes down to like negative self-talk, which I think is what, if you boil down imposter syndrome, one you know, analysis of it could be something mm. that has been real proven to be exceptionally helpful and something that I've done a bit of study on um, for my research is cognitive behavioral therapy. Lucy, have you heard of this before? Yes. Have you heard about it from me? Um, I've heard about it from you and Liv, my, t- my two <laughs> learned psychologists. <laughs> Great. Well, <laughs> cognitive behavioral therapy or CBT is, but essentially it's based on the assumption that your anxiety responses can be learned. So you're doing work to reroute the neural pathways in your brain. Um, there is, this is a thing called neuroplasticity. It kind of is based on the fact that you can, for anyone who's perhaps got like overly critical neural pathways and is in need of self-validation, you can learn to rewire those mm. pathways by evaluating your thinking in a non-critical way. And 
I mean, I do think we'll talk about this another time because there's so much that I could delve into with this and very passionate about it. Mm. Um, but there's lots of different types of CBT. There's a lot of different research that's been done on it. It's a psychotherapeutic um, response to things. Um, there's a lot of critique of it as well. I just once saw something, someone talk about it as gaslighting yourself. Oh, yeah, but gaslighting you know, yourself <laughs> into, into creating new neural Into health, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, the journey sometimes doesn't matter. The destination... <laughs> Don't take this advice from me. Um, I'm not the learned psychologist. Do not. (laughs) And neither am I, to be clear. But the evidence surrounding neuroplasticity suggests that when old neuropathways are not used and don't receive signals, those neurons start wiring apart. And that with repetition, a new thought can essentially take hold and replace the old critical thought. So something that you talk about when you're going through CBT, or one response of it, is this thought inquiry model where you essentially... If you have a thought that's critical, you go to what they call the most radical counter thought. So if your thought was like, I'm not good enough, I'm not successful enough, I'm not loved enough, the absolute most radical other thought would be, I am good enough, (laughs) I am more successful enough. However, like, it's very hard to believe that. Like, if I say to you, Luce, you know, when you're feeling down, oh, you're great, sometimes you might be like, amazing, but other times you're like, "Mm, okay, (laughs) fine, move on. Yeah. So you go to a thought that you can just bring yourself to believe. Like you're like, okay, if I, if I put on like blue sky thinking, I could just about believe that about Mm. myself. And essentially you go through these steps to retrain your brain, to go to that thought whenever you have the negative thought. And it's, I was thinking about imposter syndrome and thinking about this negative self-talk. And I was like, that is genuinely one thing I think that I could do myself possibly to you know start to rewire possible negative patterns in my brain that are like I mean yeah it's an interesting one I'm too young you're like I'm just old yeah (laughs) yes or like I don't look good today yeah I look good enough (laughs) I this is it you if you can't get yourself to I look great you're like I'm looking okay yeah And there's a whole bunch of steps you go through to that. And another time, I really think we should talk about it. I've talked about this before, really passionate about it. The steps you go through are amazing, super helpful, but we're not going to do it today, especially before we do a therapy speak. We're not going to do it today. In fact, we don't really have time to do that much more today. But I feel like, Laura, like, I don't even know if that's where you're planning on ending the segment, but that's such a good, like, tangible thing that we can leave people with. I think, and we'll link some stuff in the show notes. Again, like, do your own research. Um, There's a lot, there's a lot to read up there. But I just, I do think, yeah, imposter syndrome, while it may be incredibly pervasive and everyone experiences it, also ask yourself, like, is it me? Is it what's going on around me? Yes, yes. Like, honestly, absolve yourself of all blame. Yeah. (laughs) For everything, (laughs) ever. Oh my God, you must die doing this with me. You must die being like, take me seriously one time. And I do. I very much do. Oh God, Luce. Another time we need to discuss when, why you're averse to therapy. I read in the newsletter oh. this week that you decided it wasn't for you. And I'm extremely intrigued by that. Yes. Okay. We definitely can. Spoiler, because I have people like you and Liv and a very strong group of friends that have basically <laughs> therapied me. Um my entire life but oh yeah we can God. talk about that because i i'm also very pro therapy just not for me um okay what's on your radar though what is on your except for all these podcasts that we're apparently going to record together everything that we're going to do together is on my right. radar but also and obviously succession Duh. on my radar everybody two words jury duty who's watched it me who knows about it me it's destroying me it's so good it's everything it's so good it's everything it's so Backed up. I made everyone in the office watch the trailer today. It's so good. I love it. I'm that is a culture vulture confirmed wreck. Oh my goodness. Have you finished it? No, because I don't think it, all the episodes are out, but I watched the first four with my little brother and it was funny. Oh my goodness. It's the ultimate prank. Yeah. My goodness. Okay. So loose that's on my radar this week. Honestly, not much else. I was in Paris last week. I ate a lot and they've been catching up on work. So between that, this and jury duty, there's love not it. much going on in her life everyone oh my god that, well that no offense that's a lot going on in your life <laughs> <laughs> not to be offensive at all but 
<laughs> that's actually quite a busy life. Well, that's good because that um, I can take that as my wreck as well because mm-hmm. I didn't write it down. I didn't really have many. Also, the Jonas Brothers new album, don't know when that's coming out. think I've said it before. Definitely have, maybe twice. So sorry, guys. Really excited for that. And I'm also reading a book right now called My Year of Rest and Relaxation um, by Otessa someone. It's like a real oh yes, um, sort of buzzy, hot, Rick at the moment for all the edgy girls. Nah, I don't know if it's edgy girls, but I just see it like everywhere. It's like dark humor. Um, I'm only, I think I read like a hundred pages on the plane on the way here. It's fucking good. Um, but Amazing. don't know yet. Don't like wrecking things before I've finished them. So that's just on my radar. Don't know if it's amazing yet but it feels good the only other thing i will say loose that's on my radar that everyone should go watch because it was actually live streamed is rosalia's coachella set oh my goodness Mm. surprise and delight okay everything everything i haven't seen it so i'll have to i'll have to and team obviously you'll be seeing laura's shit you should cook about in the newsletter which has quickly become like my favorite like pastime to to try and make them. I will say I haven't done the soups because I'm not a soup girl. But again, stranger things have happened. Lucy, someone messaged me tonight and said I made the soup and my boyfriend loved it and famously not a soup man. So oh, okay. shit you should cook about is define everyone's expectations. I just want to say that it's a personal triumph for me when I see Lucy cook things. When I wake up eight hours later and see that you've spent your day making focaccia. I know. Honestly. And it's like never been, I've never nailed it. It's always really um, dense. My this is, Okay, well this, quite. I think we need to figure it out. Maybe I need to do a reel. Maybe we need to get into reels, loose. Yes. I th- no, I actually think you do because that's what I was saying to my uh, flatmate. I was like, I think it's because I'm a real beginner, so I've never seen mm. it done. I've got no context. All right, everyone, stay tuned. Probably shit you should cook about TikTok, Instagram reels coming to you soon. <laughs> Love that. And for more food content and plus like reels and stuff potentially, the O9, the O-H-N-I-N-E, um, is where Laura puts all her like food photos and recipes and soon to be reels. I do. I was going to say, what were you plugging there? I was like, would love would to love check, to check it that out. out. Sounds it's amazing. Laura. <laughs> it's Laura. It's me. Yeah, come in. I can give you tips on your focaccia. Love to see it. Yes. Love to see it. Yes. And that's where all um, her articles live. But we're going to, I think, start hopefully revamping some of them hopefully for the newsy and then you can go and read the full thing on the 09 i don't know i feel like there's good shit in those archives that we should there's a lot in those archives get ready everyone (laughs) it's coming at you soon and i'm gonna go make myself look really hot in case maddie healy bumps into me on the streets of wellington but it's been a pleasure laura as always thoughts and prayers for Lewis, everybody she's standing by the fountain i'm standing by the fountain Standing in front of a fountain asking Maddie Healy to think she's different. Asking Maddie Healy to fucking interview me. I mean, no, me to interview him. Or other way around. I'm cute. I haven't got imposter Lucy, syndrome. Lucy, you're so interesting. Let me interview you. <laughs> oh, God. Um, but we'll see you next week for all the updates, team. Bye. See you then. Bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.